Welcome to Nourish and Shine, where I talk with passionate leaders in the fields of nutrition, functional and integrative medicine, and wellness, providing inspiration and practical advice to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, optimize your health, and live a whole vibrant life starting now. Anyone who tells me they can break my sugar addiction and it will be permanent has got my full attention. Today, I'm talking with Valerie Liss, also known as the tapping teacher. She's a certified expert of the emotional freedom technique. She's a practitioner and trainer. She has supported hundreds of students and thousands of clients to make positive shifts in their lives. These transformations naturally lead to improved self-esteem, stronger relationships and finances, and better health, including reduction of chronic pain and weight control, both of which we get into in this episode. If you've ever heard of tapping or wondered what it's all about or wanted to try it, this is the episode for you. Valerie is absolutely amazing and an excellent teacher. She has a simplified technique that I think anyone can do and really benefit from. She's coming out with a new book and a new website, so she has a lot of exciting stuff going on. Stay tuned. Check Check out the show notes, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Nourish and Shine, Valerie Liss. I'm so excited to have you here today with me. I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So I'm here on the show today to talk about emotional freedom techniques, also called EFT, EFT tapping. And the last 20 years, I have been in that field, EFT tapping. I have been a practitioner, a trainer. I trained for a number of years with Gary Craig, the founder, and uh, did level one, two, and three workshops throughout the Midwest, and then with EFT Universe as well for a good eight, nine years and doing trainings all over the place. And my initial interest in the world of EFT was for the same reason that many people get involved, and that is my own health challenges. I had spent a number of years in corporate, was doing very well in corporate, but I became sick and I had asthma. Asthma was really becoming more and more serious all the time and creating challenges for me. And then the biggest thing happened, which was I had a mystical experience. I had that mystical experience on September 11th of 2001 and decided that between the health challenges, a way to resolve the health challenges in the field of integrative health, uh, my own shift in what I believed who I was, I decided that I needed to work in the field and became invested, involved in the world of EFT really intensely. I also teach college. And I teach integrative health and healing is my my primary field. Wow. So that is super interesting. And how had you been teaching all along or did you get into I actually did I, I started teaching. I I had initially been in the world of corporate. My undergraduate was in business and I was really involved in corporate and enjoyed doing that in lots of different areas and, and was doing very well. 
And with the health challenges and with my change, I decided I needed to do something different. And what I did is the University of St. Catherine has a master's degree in holistic health studies. So I was a part of the first graduating class in that program. And then with a master's degree, I was eligible to teach college and went to Anoka Ramsey. That was in 2006. I began to teach college and teaching the integrative health and healing. I've also taught the first year experience and a few of the other courses as well. But my focus has been integrative health and healing. Awesome. So I know you started off talking with, uh, about the emotional freedom technique and Mm -hmm. tapping and that you teach about it. Can you tell our listeners what exactly is the emotional freedom technique? Oh, I suppose, I suppose that might be important, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a, that's a good introduction. That's a good beginning. (laughs) But what it is, it is a self tool and uh, it is starting to become more well-known. And I have asked just about every group that I have ever spoken to in the very beginning is who's heard of it and who, who hasn't. Of course, in the beginning, no one had heard of it. And now many people have. It's uh, used by by a lot of therapists. It's used in various fields. But let me go back then. What it is, is it's a self-help tool. It is based on the principles of acupuncture. So acupuncture is with the needles. And acupressure is without needles, but on those same points in the body. And how it's done is a person uses their own fingertips and taps on the specified points while thinking about something that may be distressful. And the idea is that whatever it is that they're thinking about, and if it's distressful, that there is a stress response that goes with it. And if the person taps, not only do they relax in the moment, but in most cases that shift to that change that transformation is permanent so let me explain what that means because it, it seems kind of vague if a person has a phobia and let's say it's a phobia of spiders every time they think about a spider or if there's a spider around them they have a response in their body their heart races their breathing goes up uh, the pupils dilate all the symptoms of fight or flight and panic is going on so what happens is if they are thinking about a spider or there are spiders around them and they have this stress response If they tap on these points, which we will go through in a little bit here, if they tap on these points, it will immediately induce relaxation. And what happens is the subconscious has this confusion and it has this conditioned link response that it says spiders are dangerous. Whenever we think about spiders, whenever spiders are around, we need to protect ourselves. They're dangerous and we need to react. And with the tapping and the sudden relaxation, there is this mass confusion going on. 
And the subconscious doesn't understand it. It doesn't know how to handle it. And as a result, what what I believe is that it goes and it erases the conditional link response that says that spiders were dangerous to begin with. The other way of saying it is just it's permanent. So not only do they get relaxation in the moment, but in the future, anytime they think about spiders, anytime they're around spiders, the body no longer considers them to be dangerous. So there is no more reaction. So for things like phobias, also for a number of other emotional kinds of issues. It can induce relaxation and eliminate stress, the stress response. And for many of the common emotional issues, it is permanent and is very self-empowering and unbelievably fast. Wow, that's amazing. And so are there other benefits as well? I know you mentioned relaxation and helping with the stress response. Phobias and and stress are some of the common ways of using EFT. It is often used as well for PTSD trauma. It is also used for generalized anxiety. There are many areas where people have successfully used EFT. It will permanently eliminate cravings. So whether it's craving for and addictive kinds of craving, or if it's something that is potato chips or certain kinds of of pop or soda or sugar, chocolate, any type of a craving, it's usually permanent. Uh, People use it with weight control. Chronic pain, it's very effective with chronic pain. I have had numerous clients who have been in pain for 20 years, 30 years, have been told that they will always be in pain. And by the time we complete our session, they are at a pain level of zero. And even better than that, sometimes it comes back when working with pain that they have this tool that allows them to tap it away again so that they can control their own pain and any other pain, uh, chronic pain condition that comes up in the future. That brings up so many questions just in itself. Even from my side, too, working with it with all this time, in some ways, it's almost like working with a little mini miracle and just knowing that no matter what it is, that it it just seems to really make huge differences in most people's lives. And because it's permanent, and a lot of times I will work with limiting beliefs as well as, oh, I work a lot with allergies and sensitivities. And it's usually permanent for that. So whether it's a seasonal allergy, cats, dogs, food sensitivities, lactose intolerance, glucose intolerance, all kinds of things that uh, can be resolved, chemical sensitivities. So it really goes into just so many different uses. And it is a self-tool. So the most beautiful part for me as being a practitioner and trainer in the field is that it is giving the power to the person who learns this technique. 
It is very short, very easy to learn. Now, it can be a little bit more confusing to understand how to resolve all these different kinds of uses. So I do have some hints and tips for that. Uh, not that I can, in a short podcast, go through all of the little ideas on how to resolve issues, but at least I can give a real good, a real good head start. That would be great. And again, for me, it's the idea that it is so self-empowering that the, the power is always going to go to the person who's using the technique. Absolutely. So you mentioned a few tips. Um, could you just say maybe one or two of the tips you generally give as far as the technique goes? Okay, so uh, one tip is a use for generalized anxiety. And we can talk later about this, but I have my own style. It's called simplified EFT tapping. And a lot of the ideas that I have are focused on my own work in the world of EFT. And this is uh, one of those that I've shared with many people that have anxiety. They say that anxiety has now overtaken depression as the number one most diagnosed mental health condition, and about 25% of the population has anxiety. And there is a tapping point that can be very effective, and it can often be used in public. So if you say if there's one thing that's a negative with EFT, I can tell you what it is. It's weird. I mean, that's our big negative. It's weird. And and so nobody would want to do this weird thing in public. And so the beauty of this anxiety point is that you can do it and be hidden. You're not doing the whole the whole EFT tapping protocol, you're just doing one point. And this point is not one of our primary eight points, but it is something that works. It's called the gamut point. And what a person would do if they have anxiety is to use their fingertips and tap on this point. Most people tap with their dominant hand, the fingertips of their dominant hand, and then they tap on their non-dominant side. You don't have to do it that way, but it just seems pretty natural for most people. So if you're right-handed, for example, and you want to tap on your left gamut point, you would find it on the back of your left hand. And if you look at the back of your left hand and the baby finger and the ring finger, the knuckles between the knuckle of the baby finger and the knuckle of the ring finger right at the very base there, in between those knuckles and following back to the wrist is an indentation. And this is the gamut point. So again, between the two knuckles on the baby finger side and this indentation going all the way back to the wrist, take four fingers of your right hand, all the fingertips and just tap on that point and just keep on tapping. And almost guaranteed within about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, whatever anxiety you have, it will go away. So that's just one little hint. And it can be, I've shared it with, uh, with people in emergency uh, medical, with uh, dental phobia for just any individual who is suffering from anxiety for sports performance, because it can help anybody get in the zone and uh, lots of use in Olympics and in professional sports. 
I've also shared it with those in hospice care because they can hold someone else's hand uh, that's laying there in a bed and just hold their hand and tap on their gamut point. So it can be helpful with, you can use it on children. It sounds kind of weird, but you could actually use it on pets as well. So if you imagine a dog paw and the dog's paw do the same thing, look for the, you know, the little tiny part, the, the little baby, baby paw part. I don't even know how to say that, but <laughs> and look for, for the, you know, kind of the back of the paw and tap on that and it will calm them down if they're afraid of lightning or, or no, or, or for whatever reason, they, there are some dogs that just have a little bit more anxiety. So here's a point, very simple solution, and it can be used all kinds of ways to support someone to be able to control their own emotional state. That's wonderful. And what a useful tool. I love that you can do it without really looking too strange. (laughs) In so many settings. Yeah. A lot of times when I'm talking about EFT, uh, one of the very first words I'll say, you know, yes, it works. And, you know, we can talk about the research too, because it, it actually is highly researched. So yes, it works. But if we also say, and it's weird, and we say it right in the beginning, then nobody can argue with it because otherwise <laughs> I've had it where they come back after the fact and try to argue that weird point. And then it's kind of too late because you got to admit, yeah, it is. It is weird. <laughs> and so besides the weirdness, I think I would love to talk about what the research is and if there have been any studies about EFT. The amount of studies has actually been quite substantial. So there have been over 100 research studies, but even even more relevant than that, there have been five meta-analysis. So a meta-analysis is a study of studies and considered to be way more valuable than an individual research study is on its own. So five meta-analysis. And of course, all of these, have been finding that EFT or found that EFT is effective. Uh, it has been uh, with Division 12 criteria of the American Psychological Association, the APA, uh, has found to be evidence-based practice in three categories, phobias for PTSD trauma and also for generalized anxiety. It is accepted by the VA for war trauma with our veterans. And the research studies that have been done for war trauma, the numbers of veterans after six one-hour sessions, uh, 84% in one study, 89% in the study that uh, replication, they were after six sessions, fell below the clinical levels for PTSD trauma. And these numbers are higher than any technique that has ever been used for PTSD. And recognizing, again, that the results are permanent. So there's that. Uh, When I was a trainer for EFT Universe, which is the primary website after Gary Craig retired, and I did that for eight or nine years. We were offering CEs for therapists, for counselors, marriage and family, uh, nurses, doctors, really 
the professionals in mental health as well as as those in uh, health services as well. And it is also something I have quite a few uh, training sessions and clients that I have worked with in Europe. And the organization called NICE, and I can't remember what it stands for, you know, obviously NICE, but NICE, they also have have recognized the credibility of EFT and are now allowing finances to support additional research. And those in Europe and the UK are really, really, that that was something that is extremely impressive for them and other areas of the world that this organization is, is acknowledging the value of EFT. So if you look at all of this, and so I myself too have done a lot of training in the last couple of years, since I also teach college, I have done a number of presentations to Education Minnesota, and that is elementary, high school teachers, uh, as well as college faculty. I spoke to show how it could be used in our prison systems uh, for women who are incarcerated, doula, Minnesota doula project. I have also uh, spoken uh, numerous times to all different types of corporate uh, being used in employee wellness, as well as in uh, moving forward with a big program for its use for cold calling and sales. There are just so many different ways that this technique can be used and and truly credible. I think it is actually the personal experience that really beats beats it for almost anyone. That you know, once you try it yourself, then you can say, yes, this works. And as we all have the opportunity to experience that, uh, then the research is is also good and it supports it, its use in academic environments and uh, some uh, healthcare is really requiring of the research. But I think it's that own personal experience that really makes a difference, I think, for many of us as well. Oh, yeah. Sad. We'll be doing that pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's neat that there's that personal experience along with kind of the scientific studies and the meta-analyses to back that up. And so I know you mentioned that it was kind of based on acupuncture or and using acupressure probably along the meridian lines. Is that right? Yes. And then how does it like, is that... Can you go into a little bit more of how it works or why it works? And also, how does it address so many different issues? Okay, absolutely good questions, both of them. So the first one, this is from just my description. I would say that nobody knows absolutely for sure. Uh, There are some papers that have been published uh, describing possibilities on the mechanism of action, of guesses on, on the whys of the wherefores. This is my way of describing it. If we look at traditional Chinese medicine and the meridian system, the philosophy is that our body is energy. And that is very scientific in its approach. We look at Einstein and quantum physics and the idea that energy, that we are humans composed of energy is just really It's just science that says that that's the case. 
So the idea with traditional Chinese medicine, the meridians are just rivers of energy, and we want that energy to flow. And if the energy gets blocked, if it gets stuck, if it if it's not moving, it gets stagnant. And kind of like a body of water that's outside for a while. And it gets scummy, bugs come around, all kinds of things happen if that water is not flowing. So we want our energy to flow. So now what I believe happens, if you look at how this was set up, that we have eight tapping points in the short method. And each one of these eight tapping points is the beginning of a meridian for those meridians that travel down or the end of the meridian for those that travel up. And so if we look at the meridian system, it is all interconnected, but it goes up down, up, down, up, down. And so it's just a river of how the energy flows. So what I I think is happening is, of course, we're tapping on these points. The energy is flowing in that meridian, and it just keeps going kind of like a wheel, and it's accelerating, and it's going faster and faster and faster. And what is it doing? Because that energy is flowing faster and faster and faster, it is knocking out the energy blocks. I mean, it's a manual process that there are energy blocks there and we are literally pushing through them. So now if you combine that with the idea, let's say someone has a fear of spiders and, and their body is reacting to the spider, this fight or flight mechanism in, our, in the body is kind of like an internal tourniquet. And it is the blockage. So when somebody is thinking about spiders and here's this immediate fight or flight response, it's like an internal tourniquet. It's stopping the energy flow. It's protecting the internal organs. And now we start tapping and we just push it right through. And the body then says, wait a minute. I thought spiders were dangerous. Now the energy's flowing. That's weird. And that, I believe, whatever that mechanism is that creates and dissipates these condition-linked responses, that this sudden response from very high-intensity emotional reaction to very sudden and abrupt relaxation, that that's the secret. It causes confusion, and it says, hmm, weird, no energy blockage. I guess we're okay. I guess we're safe. We don't need to be afraid of spiders anymore. And then it erases the whole link. That's my description. And at that point, really, truly, nobody really knows uh, because we are talking about traditional Chinese medicine. And at least our view of that, we don't really understand how that works either. So, Well, and I love your description and it's easy to visualize that way. And I also like kind of the mind-body connection. Like you can literally experience that with the energy flow. And one thing I think of sometimes is how disease can often manifest from energy blocks. And could you talk a little bit about that as well? Let me go back and first answer your second half of yeah. that. And that was one of the other things about EFT when people are new to it, is they say, well, wait a minute. If one thing can cause all of those benefits, then it's snake oil. It can't possibly be true. 
One thing can't do all that. And so going back to all of the things that it does, the one thing it has in common is is that they're all stress-related. So allergies are stress-related and cravings are like a nervous anxiety kind of a, a, a response and and the emotions anger fear and chronic pain that they all have to do with stress and so what EFT really does is it induces relaxation and eliminates stress and so that's why it can be so powerful as just the pure speed and the effectiveness with eliminating stress. And then going to, uh, you said with the, you said traditional Chinese medicine and their view on how disease. Yeah. So like Black's energy kind of manifesting as various diseases. Does this relate to that as well? It absolutely does. And I look at it that same way that if you look at it as an internal tourniquet and the body is trying desperately to protect those internal organs. And so each one of these meridians is associated with a different emotion. Each one of these meridians goes through a different internal organ. And so it's as if there is this tourniquet and it's protecting energetically you know the energetic flow and so it starts out with the emotional side where a person is feeling very emotional and the body's wisdom is desperately trying to protect itself and to uh, to always respond in a way that is survival oriented so whenever somebody has a traumatic event the subconscious is going to look for any bad guy that's trying to protect itself. So I believe it can find anything in the world that it is attaching to its belief that this is a bad guy. So allergies, seasonal allergies, uh, let's say, for example, someone's family member has their last their last days in the spring and that person then for the entire month of April and the entire month of May that they were at the hospital and they were suffering an extreme amount of grief I believe that the body's wisdom then could say oh it looks like April and May and they then developed spring allergies to protect themselves from all of the pain and suffering that came in the months of April or May. And uh, someone can react to, I've seen colors and numbers and words and names. I'll give an example. If someone has a really nasty divorce and they're talking about their ex-spouse and they say that person's name, a lot of times you can hear it in their voice, you can see it in their face, that the name gets that person all riled up. And so they're reacting to a name. I I believe that a lot of allergies and sensitivities are associated with traumatic events. Another example is a calendar date. And if you look and you say October 10th, and it there's no meaning to October 10th, well, then then you're not going to react to it. But if it was your anniversary and it's a good marriage, you're going to react totally different than if it's your anniversary and it was a really nasty divorce again. 
Another example with a calendar date is September 11th. And theoretically, it's a calendar date. And yet most people will react with either fear or anxiety or sadness and associated with the events of September 11th, 2001. And yet it's a calendar date that creates a response. So theoretically, it starts out with an emotional response. And then when it gets in deeper and the body's wisdom is trying harder and harder to protect itself, that this is the origin of disease. And that's the theory. And working with EFT, I've had some really positive benefits. No guarantee when it comes to physical disease, but I have had some really strong shifts in changes uh, with many of the clients. And, uh, and it is by recognizing that relationship between the emotional event that initiated it and the emotional response associated with the disease and just that whole relationship between the emotions and the physical. So absolutely, yes, the body and disease and emotions and EFT, it's all interrelated and can be very powerful to help have disease to begin that healing process. If nothing else, even if they start, and you know, I work with a lot of people who have cancer and uh, some of them terminal cancer as well, meaning they've been told by the medical profession that there's not anything that can be done. And, you know, I can't promise when working in in that environment or with those people, I I can promise, you know, because because it, it can be helpful. But the very first step always is to eliminate the stress associated with the disease. And if a person has been told they have terminal cancer, I mean, how can they possibly have a good, positive, strong, healthy, emotional response? They can't. And so the very first step is to clear their own sense of, I'm afraid, their sense of sadness, their sense of anxiety, their sense of of all of the different emotions associated with, I have terminal cancer. And once that's cleared, at least I get a fighting chance. Because it is true, when a person is stressed, their whole body is engaged into fight or flight, into the protecting, the survival mechanism, and it disengages the whole healing process. And so step one is get rid of all of those emotions and at least give the person an an opportunity to be able to relax enough so that they can begin that healing process. Wow, that's awesome. And that makes a ton of sense. Can you tell me a little bit, you mentioned the simplified technique versus the standard technique. Can you tell me how your technique is different? Yes, I can. So I had for almost 20 years and I had done a lot of these things because it was the early days. Although I I watched Gary Craig, I worked with Gary Craig, I used his uh, foundational programs for training that you know, I didn't have a bunch of one-on-ones with Gary Craig and I didn't have my own mentor trainer. A lot of it I kind of learned on my own. And so I was doing a lot of different things the way that made sense to me. And it wasn't until I became in contact with a lot of other trainers that I realized that what I was doing, that there were some substantial differences. 
and that some of the ways that we were training, both with Gary Craig's curriculum and EFT Universe, was also originally designed by Gary Craig, the founder. So it's really everybody in the world is based on the same philosophy from the founder, is this is how you do EFT. And there are a couple of things that I just, I became more and more convinced that rather than doing things this way, that if we made some minor shifts, that we would be able to get better results for our clients, faster results. And so I went many years in and had my own internal struggle because I, I wanted and, and really thought it was essential if I am teaching EFT Universe's curriculum, that I'm teaching their curriculum and that it is, you know, my, my responsibility to, to continue with their curriculum. I also felt that if I have ideas that are of value to the students in the workshop and with my clients, that I didn't want to withhold information that was of value either. And so I have this constant dilemma on what am I going to do? I don't want to withhold information. I don't want to keep something a secret if I think it's worthwhile. But at the same time, I'm teaching another curriculum. And I, I, how am I going to match uh, these two conflicting for my own integrity uh, that they were, they were conflicting? So what I did is I went through the curriculum. And at the very end, I said, we're going to end 15 minutes early. If you want to leave, you can. And if you want to stay, then this has nothing to do with the workshop. We're all done with the workshop. I will also share some of my own philosophies. And it would, I'm, I'm just happy to, to share these. And this was a way to say the workshop's done. So I have completed my, my, I have the integrity. I'm staying with the program. And at the same time, if you want to stay the extra 15 minutes, totally up to you. I will share this with you. So that's what I started doing. And I did this for actually many years. And I consistently got the information back that what I was sharing just makes sense. It, it just makes sense. I also got back consistently that people that really learn the approach that I was sharing with them, they never wanted to go back to the previous standard way of doing EFD, that they realized that it, it does just make sense. It is faster, it's easier, uh, it's more efficient. And that is what I will share with you and your listeners. Perfect. And can you point out just kind of the big differences between... Yeah. The simplified and standard versions? So when we get into the protocol itself, I will describe there is something called the setup that is done in standard EFT. And I really have not done the setup for in my own work for well over a decade. And what's interesting is Gary Craig, the founder, does not do the setup either. Right? So so that's one thing. So I'll explain that when we get going. Okay. Two is uh, the standard approach. Uh, this, I think, is the biggest, one of the bigger differences is the standard approach of EFT. They have you say something at every tapping point. And my feeling is that it's too verbal and it makes people think it's all about the words. So I'll explain in just a moment because the third part is 
the what I would consider to be the whole secret to get it to work. Great. Okay. All right. Are you waiting? I mean, do Yeah, I'm excited. So could you guide us through the process of doing EFT then? I can, but let me let me tell you the secret first. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think this, it makes all the difference for anyone who's been in the world of EFT. They go and uh, watch YouTube videos or they're, they're reading books and, and so many the uh, trainers and those in the field make it very cognitive and they make it because Gary Craig says, we say all these words that they think they need to find what are the right words in order to get this to work? What are the right words? So the real secret of the EFT, and for anyone who's never tried it before, this seems so simple. It just seems so obvious that people don't even realize the value of this statement. They just think, oh, well, yeah, so what? And the secret of EFT is we need and we want an emotional response. Emotion is good. That's the whole secret right there. So most of the time what people are trying to figure out, well, how do I work with weight? And then they start tapping, even though I have this problem with my weight. And then they tap on this weight problem, this weight problem. But if there is no emotion, I would say in most cases, they're, they're wasting their time. So what I've done is created a very efficient approach that is very much focused on the emotion. Also, all these different tools and techniques so that we can go directly into the concept. We want emotion. And with every single client explaining, we want emotion. If you want to clear this, if you want the, the, the really fastest, easiest, best, most transformative, most powerful way for EFT to work for you, you want emotion. And even the joke that I have is that what I do for a living is I make people cry. And not to say that I do actually make people cry, but to say that if you did cry, while doing EFT, that that would be extremely powerful. But that's when you would get the results that you're looking for. And so we want emotion. Wow. Okay. And so, yeah. I And, I, and because of that, let me go back to part two where I said the word, yeah. a lot of what we do, we have a real simple approach and it's basically feel the feeling. All right. Get into your feeling space. Don't think about it. Get into your feeling space. So feel the feeling. Tap. Right, and then evaluate, and it does often come up in layers. So the emotions can often shift; uh, it can move from one part of your body to another, and so it it does often come up in layers. So you have to kind of watch. Okay, now what am I feeling? I I move from anger to sadness. Okay, now let's tap on the sadness, and so that's where our whole focus is is on the emotion. So are you ready to do the exercise? Absolutely. All right. So is there anything, and, and, and we'll do this so that you know you can kind of be the demo to help too, uh, but also with your listeners, anyone who wants to do this, uh, to find something that is distressful about your life. So either something that you're afraid of, a phobia, or a problem with a neighbor, an issue at work, uh, just something 
that is uh, causing an emotional response. It can be anger, frustration, hurt. Uh, something's going on in, in their life. So do you have something you want to work with? And yes. Then- <laughs> <laughs> when you said sugar, I about jumped oh, down. So okay. I think I have a serious sugar issue, um, or at least okay. craving for sugar okay. issue. Yeah. So, so sugar is a craving. It's done just a tiny bit different, but I will still allow it to so that, or kind of explain it so Mm -hmm. that your listeners can work on an emotional incident as well. So no matter what it is, we want, we want the person to feel something. And so, and also to recognize where do you feel it in the body? Is it in my, in your chest? Is it in your throat? Is it in uh, your forehead area? Uh, Is it uh, in the abdomen? And then get an intensity and rate it. So zero is no emotion. 10 is high emotion. So for a craving, I'm going to help you in a moment to try and increase that craving level. So the difference between a craving and just liking something is a craving has a little bit of a nervous quality with it. And if you eat sugar when you're craving it, in general, it does not satisfy. And so anything that we crave, we have a tendency to overeat because the body is just wanting it. You know, it's like, give me, give me, give me, but it does not satisfy. So that having that item, it doesn't make the craving go away. And so that craving just remains strong and there's a tendency to overeat. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to first take you through the process. And then I'm going to do just a real short exercise with you to try and get that craving level as high as we can. And then we'll tap. And one of the biggest things that we do differently is we get into the feeling space and then we tap in silence. Now, I'm still going to take you through the points because you're not going to remember the points yet on your own. But keep in mind that that's one of the primary differences with the simplified EFG is we just get you emotional and tap in silence and really spend, I believe that that saying words at every tapping point in many cases it just serves to take you out of your feeling space and it's actually counterproductive and it just slows us down and in some cases even prevents people from getting the the, the results they want because they're not emotional anymore now they're back in their head bubble but anyway first i'll take you through the tapping point so the first thing I will share what everybody else does. Even though I don't do this myself, I want to share it because if you or your listeners see someone in public or in YouTube or someone else doing this, if I didn't explain it, you wouldn't understand that this is EFT. This is the standard approach. And so many people are are doing this. So, So I may as well share So at least you know what it is. It's called the setup. How we do it, let's say again, dominant hand is what most people use. We're going to tap on the non-dominant hand. And the first point is called the side of the hand. Sometimes people also call this the karate chop point. So on the side of the hand, if you want to take your non-dominant hand, uh, one way to find it is just to do like a, a, 
a loose vest, and the fleshy part on the baby finger side is where we're tapping. So we just keep tapping with the fingertips of our dominant hand, and we just tap, 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 and then we would say the words, even though I have this problem, I deeply and completely accept myself. Uh, We can also customize it, even though I have this craving for sugar, I deeply and completely accept myself. Or even though I have this craving for sugar, I am uh, willing to make a change and get rid of this craving. All right, so this it's called the setup. We're taking a negative phrase and a positive phrase. We say it three times while tapping on the side of the hand or the karate chop point. So I'm not going to go into any more detail with that because we're actually not even going to do it, but I want to give just enough information so that if you see somebody else doing it, you'll say, oh yeah, you know, that's something, it's a part of the technique. We just don't need it. And that's why I don't use it because we don't need it. There's no reason for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So now what we're going to do, there are eight tapping points. Again, most people use their dominant hands, tapping with the fingertips. You can use either hand or you can cross over. You can tap just on the right side or just on the left side. And sometimes people will ask how many times to tap. So it could be four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We don't want to count how many times we tap because once we get going, we want our focus to be on the source of the stress. So if we're talking about a craving, a sugar craving, uh, once we get going, I will get you so that you really want that sugar, hopefully, and then you're going to focus on that sugar, and then you're going to tap in silence on these eight points. So you're ready to begin? Sure. Okay, so here we go. First point is the top of the head. So the very top of the head, highest point, maybe back an inch or so, but as long as you're close, that's all that matters. So top of the head. Next one is the inside of the eyebrow. So either eye, either side, inside of the eyebrow, and then the outside of the eyebrow. And that one is also called the side of the eye. So inside the eyebrow, then the outside of the eyebrow. Next one is beneath the eye. This is the only one that I try to get people to tap on correctly, that not to be down in the cheekbone, but get way up on the eye socket, directly on the bony structure and in the middle of the eye socket beneath the pupil. So tapping on that, tap, 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 that's beneath the eye. Next one is beneath the nose. So between the nostrils and the upper lip, uh, right in the middle there, on that divot, right in the middle. All right, the next one is uh, called the chin point. It's between the lower lip and the chin itself, and it's on that crack or line right in the middle there. And then the next one is the collarbone. Uh, Collarbone is from the hollow of the neck where a man ties a tie, go down one inch, and then go across two or three inches in either direction. And as long as you're close, that's all that matters. EFT is very forgiving. So that's the collarbone. And then the last one is underneath the arm. So lifting the arm up and the armpit down to where the bra band comes around. And there's this nickel or quarter size indentation there. 
And for men, it's actually the same point. <laughs> so uh, following again, the armpit down. You can also say that it's parallel to the nipple, right? It's another way of describing it. If the monkey roll is uncomfortable where the person is lifting up the arm and then trying to tap on that same arm, it's also possible to lift up the arm on the other side and cross over. So again, following the armpit down to where the bra band comes around, nickel or quarter size indentation. So you can cross over the body and tap on the opposite side for that one. So I'm going to go through the points again, top of the head. Inside the eyebrow, so you're tapping, tap, 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 tap. Outside the eyebrow, tap, 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 tap. Under the eye, under the nose, chin, collarbone, under the arm, back to the top of the head again. Inside the eyebrow, outside the eyebrow, under the eye. Nose, chin, collarbone, under the arm. All right, so go ahead and take a deep breath. That is the whole process. And those eight tapping points, just keep going through those eight tapping points again and again and again. It's the exact same protocol, whether you are working on pain, chronic pain, you're working on allergies and sensitivities, you're working on a phobia, a craving, no matter what it is, it's always those same eight tapping points. So the only thing that differs is your focus. I do have a special protocol for working with allergies and sensitivities, which unfortunately we're not going to have time to get to. Also, chronic pain can be a little bit different to work with, uh, but, uh, but at least to catch the most common emotional concerns, all you need to know is feel the feeling. And I get as strong as you can, as intense as you can, get emotional, and then tap. And that's it. That's amazing. So we don't have to worry so much about saying something. And that's what I always wondered with this. Um, I had done it the other way and it was kind of confusing as to what to say sometimes or what to think about. So I really like that this is about feeling that emotion more than saying the right thing. And do you have any tips for how to elicit that emotion to get started? Yeah, actually I do, but let me real quickly, a minute. I want to get you so that you feel more emotional about your sugar craving. So oh, yeah. That question, and then I'll throw in a couple of others afterwards. But to get more emotional about the sugar craving and then tap. And that's really the whole simplified EFT philosophy. If we can get you more emotional, then we can get that transformation much faster and it's still gentle and and you're going to get the relief so quickly that it, it really can be surprising what can result in this so go ahead and close your eyes i want you to imagine for a moment that you can never have sugar again and watch around you and everybody is eating all your favorite food so whether it's donuts or ice cream and cookies and cake and everybody is eating all this food but you cannot as a matter of fact, they hand it to you and you have to give it to someone else. You have to give it away or throw it in the garbage because you cannot have it. You cannot have it ever again. Now get it so that you're really saying, I want this and I really, really, really want it. And then tap. Okay. Okay. 
All right. Do you need me to take you through the points? Yeah. Why don't you walk through them? That would be great. All right. So top of the head. And just keep tapping and focus on the idea. I can never have it again. Inside the eyebrow. Outside the eyebrow. Under the eye. Nose. Chin. Collarbone. Under the arm. Back to the top of the head. Inside the eyebrow. Outside the eyebrow. Under the eye. Nose, chin, collarbone, under the arm. All right, take a deep breath. In many cases, that's it. I I would say a good 90% of the clients I work with, that's it. And they usually get rid of their cravings permanently. Now, it's also possible. I just want to kind of explain this. It's possible that you get rid of all of your sugar cravings except for chocolate. And then chocolate, I for, for me, for chocolate, I had to do chocolate and, and caramel separately, chocolate and marshmallows separately, chocolate and almonds separately. And then I had to do, um, oh yeah, peanut butter cups. Oh yeah, peanut butter cups separately. <laughs> and then I had to do uh, chocolate chip cookies separately and a certain kind of ice cream. And so sometimes you could do like sugar and get rid of all sugar at once. Other times you're going to have other food items that might go up now in desire and cravings. And so if that happens, just recognize, tap on them separately. Okay? Yeah, that's amazing. One other thing, sometimes people can, uh, like potato chips, that they'll eat them and then they, they taste too greasy. So you might have that the sugar is now too sweet. And it actually is a turn up. And if that's the case, because sometimes it can, chocolate can taste waxy. And so you could have a negative effect for a little bit. If that happens, then eventually that will go away. But you should have a more permanent, it it should be gone in, in most cases. If not, just do the same thing and tap a little bit longer. Wow. And so it's really a one-time thing versus having to do this over and over. Is that right? In most cases, it is. There are a few things that aren't always permanent. Uh, Chronic pain, for example, working with physical diseases. uh, Sometimes we have to come in from a lot of different angles. Uh, Weight control. Unfortunately, I've never had a client that walked in and then walked out 50 pounds lighter. So it can involve a lot of different kinds of tapping. But it can be such a big support system uh, for for anyone who that, uh, for example, let's say someone who has uh, uh, end stage cancer, that they may have to keep tapping on a regular basis because it is a threat that is continually coming back again as well. But the beauty is it's fast and it is something that you can do for yourself. And so it does put you in the driver's seat of your own emotional distress. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is so incredible. Thank you for sharing it. What a gift. That is just so cool. And it was fun to go through the process with you. I'm glad you walked me through that exercise. Some people are, it's a little bit harder for them to get emotional. And that's actually one of the biggest challenges in the world of EFT is what do you do with people who just, you know, that they have a very high threshold 
that, uh, let's say, an emergency, someone working as an emergency medicine, um, they have learned, I cannot get emotional. I mean, it just isn't going to work with this job. And so if they have a real high threshold to becoming emotional, uh, one little hint is, is just to allow it and then answer the question for yourself, what could make it worse? Oh, one other thing too. And so just the answer to yourself, what could make it worse? And then that makes you more emotional. One other thing, I am unlicensed. And because I'm unlicensed too, I cannot diagnose. And so it's also very important as well that if you do have serious mental health conditions, uh, that you are very protective, that you don't try to uh, go out and you know, take this hugely traumatic event and to try and do it on your own. And so definitely get the help that you need. And although emotions are good and we want the emotions with EFT, the simplified EFT process, we also recognize vulnerable populations and that uh, if you have a tendency for emotional states to get out of control, and that you're just, it's too scary for you to do that, then absolutely don't go there. Uh, just allow yourself to tap and relax, but uh, don't try to do anything on your own. That's great advice. So how can we learn more about your work? So right now, my website is coursesforlife.com. It's the organization or it's the company that I've had for many years. I am creating a new website. So it depends on when uh, the listener is listening to the podcast. And that will be simplifiedeft.com. And uh, by then, depending too, the book should be out. The book is Simplified EFT Tapping, How to Get Exceptional Results Every Time You Tap. I'm also moving forward on a certification program for certified, simplified EFT practitioners and in training trainers now. So that should be out within the next couple of months. And we'll have an online course and all different ways of learning more about simplified EFT, the process and how to get the results that you're looking for. I cannot wait. I can't wait to pick up your book. And I checked out, you have a YouTube video as well, which helped kind of walk through the process also. And I think that's a great resource too. That YouTube video has been around for quite some time. I also have, I would say 20 or 30 other ones. Oh, wow. I haven't introduced them yet. I'm trying to make it so that everything gets introduced all at the same time. And so all the other videos are on the simplified EFT process. I've also got quite a few too, a lot of different interviews and um, there are other videos as well. Uh, there is uh, Gary Williams out of the UK. Uh, he has, I think about 20 or 30 different videos that he did talking about EFT and the simplified EFT process. So there's more out there. And I have done a number of training. I do training in Minneapolis, but I also do a lot of online training as well. So definitely connect with me on any of those if you want to uh, learn more about Simplified EFT. Right now, I am still doing one-on-ones, but that when we introduce the certification program, then I will likely not be doing the one-on-one. So uh, so that will be a, a shift or a change within the next couple of months. Fantastic. And I'll link all of that up in the show notes so that people can find you and find the program and the book and everything. 
And now I just have two kind of quick end the show questions for you. The first one is, what does the word nourish mean to you? Oh boy. Nourish, I think, is one of those really sensory and delightful words because, as a matter of fact, I've, I've worked a lot with this with uh, problems with eating overweight. And if a person has not received the emotional nourishment they need, then the body goes out trying to find it and eats junk food, cravings, different things like that. So to me, nourish, it's a lot more than just the physical eating foods that are are the proper foods, the good foods for the body, but it is all encompassing. It is emotional. It is, you know, mentally, it is in every way. It is filling our internal needs for, for love, for everything. And nourish is that whole quality that says, this is it. You're getting it. And your needs are being met and in a very, very joyful, powerful way. One of my favorite words. I love that answer. That's probably one of the best (laughs) answers I've heard. (laughs) And then real quick, if you have a morning or evening routine, could you share it with us? You know, I have many times, I filled out this whole great big list of this is what I'm going to do in the morning. And then I fight it. And so that's the funny (laughs) part. You know, I would say if I were to look at myself, I'm pretty well organized. I'm on task. I, I have a to-do list. And I have, this is very much motivated, wanting a lot of things in my life and achievement oriented. And then what happens is there's this side of me that says, wait a minute, you're not going to force me into anything. And so I call it the na-na-na-na-sa, na-na-na-na-na, you know, as a, as a kid, and you go, ha-ha, na-na-na-na-na. And so I kind of resist both. I resist too much routine because, because my natural tendency is to lock into it, and then I fight it. And, and it says, I don't want that. I want ad lib. I want to just live my life more fully present. So I do have routines that just about every day I will fit in a certain amount of meditation. I do intuitive writings. I have, of course, my work to-do list. I have lots of things. And they get done eventually. But the biggest part for me, for that whole na-na-na-na-na, my little <laughs> internal breath, that says, I'm going to do it on my own time. I get to choose when I do it. So I love that. That works. <laughs> if it works for you, that's great. Let that internal breath just have its way now and then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. So if you had one takeaway health tip for people, one thing that you think people could do regularly to make them feel better, what would that be? That one is just so obvious. Mm-hmm. Tap. <laughs> Tap. <laughs> yes. How often do you want, like, how often should people be tapping? So, whenever they feel stressed or they think of something that they really want a different emotional response to it, I shared the gamut point. Another point that is the most powerful point of all is the one that's underneath the eye. Because underneath the eye, each tapping point has a different emotion that it is uh, corresponding to. Underneath the eye has to do with anxiety, nervousness, 
and fear. And many of the things that happen to us in our lives, especially out in public, that's what holds us back. So it's good for test anxiety. It's good for social anxiety, uh, any, anything that is holding you back. So just remember under the eye, the gamut point and, and the whole tapping protocol when you're at home, especially in front of a mirror that you can, can, just get emotional in front of a mirror, turn on the water so nobody can hear you and just go wild and tap. So yes, that's it. Awesome. All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for for, for having me on your show. And I I absolutely look forward to uh, having the, the show out and I will do all I can to try and you know, get to my own, my own peeps as well to, uh, to be able to get in there and listen. And uh, to me, this is so, so important that we are sharing the self-help tool because every single person that learns it, they can't help but be a better person. What are we clearing? We're clearing hate. We're clearing anger. We're clearing fear. We're clearing uh, shame. We're clearing all of these things that are holding us back and preventing us from being the best version of ourselves from really being able to uh, to come into our greatest possibilities and come into our power. That's what this is all about. So absolutely, as we continue to spread the word about this, every single person that learns it, I believe, is going to get the benefit and be a better person. Can't help us. That is beautiful. And how powerful to be able to share mm-hmm. that. So. Thank you again. Thank you so much for listening to Nourish and Shine. I hope that you enjoy this episode and that you'll leave me a review on iTunes so that more people can hear the podcast. I'd also love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I would love to hear your questions, so please send them my way. Also, you can check out my website. It's amysapola.com. I hope that today's interview provided you with some inspiration and practical advice to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, optimize your health, and to live a whole vibrant life. Please join me again next week for another amazing interview. Have a wonderful week. information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only. It's not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or condition. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your medical provider.